Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Money Itch podcast. I'm Kendall Jones. I am the founder and um, personal finance strategist and coach for jonescoachinggroup.com. On our podcast, we normally bring in people who I am working with, and it's a way to get you inspired and help you to believe that it is possible to change your financial landscape. And actually, it can happen quicker than you think. A lot of times, People believe that, you know, if you're going to pay off a significant amount of debt or you're going to make other financial adjustments, it'll take so long that you don't even get started. Um, But with the podcast, I want to show people that have only been doing it maybe for a year and what they have been able to do. So on this week's podcast or this month's podcast, rather, we have Megan. Megan has been a client of mine for less than a year. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her on. Um, but she has made some tremendous financial changes. And her story is a little bit different. One thing I don't advertise and put out there is that I do help people start businesses, but I help them start businesses only if they're a personal finance client. And that's probably because I believe if you start a business and your personal finances are not in order, or if you're not reaching towards a certain goal with your personal finances that relieve some uh, pressure on yourself, then it puts more pressure on the business and it makes it harder for you to develop a business you love and care about and harder for that business to grow. So I'm bringing Megan on because with the work that we did, she changed her financial outlook and she started a business and it's going very, very well. So Megan, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. We meet regularly twice a month. She's very faithful and very consistent. And that's one of the reasons why she's um, seeing so much progress. So Megan, we're going to jump into some questions and we'll just have a conversation. And hopefully this uh, podcast session will actually help other people to believe they can do it as well. So The first thing I want to ask you is really what led you to make this adjustment in your financial approach? Um, I would have to say probably my age um, is the first thing. Um, This year, actually in a couple weeks, I'll be 33 and um, life kind of becomes a little more real (laughs) once you turn 30. And I knew eventually, of course, I would want to get married start a family all of those things um and I was even entertaining the idea of going back to school um and so I knew a couple of things I would need money in the bank um I knew that there were some you know financial habits that I needed to get um in shape um thinking just from a long-term perspective um of you know two people coming together in marriage you know finances is a huge piece of that as well as um you know thinking about having children um and knowing that of course you have to be able to financially support them um as well as um I've always known um probably I would say it became more prevalent in college um and then even more so prevalent after college that I knew I wanted to be a business owner um and an entrepreneur and so I knew in order to do that, I would have to get my finances in order um, from budgeting all the way to savings and retirement. Yeah, I mean, I think age can play a major factor. 
and we go through several different milestones. So I do have clients that are hitting that 30 or past the 30 and they say, oh, maybe I should be somewhere else in life financially. And that's really what happened to me. Um, when I look back on it, I think I was 31 and I was like, okay, this isn't working. Um, and that's when I started this whole journey that has led me here today. Um, but also I get it at other ages too, like 50, 45, you know, when people are really nearing into retirement, you, you want to make some major adjustments there too, right? Mm -hmm. So what did you try before, before trying coaching to kind of get a handle on your finances? What other things did you try and how did they work for you? Um, so I've always been money conscious, like not so much from rules like financial rules and financial literacy as a whole, but just knowing especially after college I mean because I to be honest I think about when I was in college what was I doing with my money mm -hmm. <laughs> um I don't I didn't have a budget you know I didn't have any of those things and I worked uh predominantly all through college so coming out of college and going into the work world I was like okay well um I have to make this money last <laughs> from from two weeks to the next two weeks um but I think what what catapulted me into being more budget conscious. And that's sort of the, the lens that I always came from with my money um, straight, I'd say at 21, uh, was my dad and my mom separated. And, you know, life hits you real fast when it's like one minute, I'm just a brand new young adult, you know, kind of able to play with my money a little bit to we all have to pitch in together <laughs> mm -hmm. and pay the mortgage or pay the bills and things like that. And so that like hard life experience um, made money more real for me in terms of managing my money. And so right. I, don't, I didn't have a specific thing that I did other than literally I would be at my desk <laughs> writing on sheets of paper okay I know I get paid this much I know I have this bill this bill you know gas food whatever and it was like okay this is what's left over and this is what I have to play with and so I went from pieces of paper to one of my co-workers um she had a spread a budget spreadsheet and um we were you know fairly close and she shared it with me and I've just been using that particular style I mean it was nothing more than simple formulas of this is how much I get this is how much I, my spending is this is what's left over for me and that's pretty much the way in which I managed my money um I did fall into I love to shop um that is my it's not as bad as it used to be but um I used to do what I call making my money work for me and so clearly that is not the way to go because I would be able to, I had the foresight and could project past, let's say it's April now, I could project into June because my expenses were all the same um, and be able to like borrow a little bit from like future money and then play catch up, right? Like all the way to, to whatever it is that I wanted to do. And um, a friend of mine and I, who we're very close, uh, we're best friends, but we share a lot of financial just our own personal financial information and we used to always say like we spent all this money on all this stuff and don't have nothing to show for it and so um my rule of thumb wasn't really a rule at all my dad was 
he's great with money, but he's because he's very disciplined. I didn't have that same discipline with my money other than following this basic spreadsheet budget. Um, and so at a point, once I lost my job, I realized I, like I didn't have a cushion. That was another wake up call. When I lost my job, I didn't have any money in savings. And I was just all, all of the work that I did, whether it was contract work, independent contractor work, um, summer work, whatever, it was always trying to play catch up. And so once I got out of that and got a full-time job, it was like, oh, okay, you have to do something different because this budget isn't working for you. Mm-hmm. And there are some inconsistencies in my money habits. And so um, that was how I broke my shopping habit because I didn't have any money to shop when I didn't have a job. So um, coming back from that, I, of course, implemented my budget this budget spreadsheet again, but um, even still with that notion of you need to save, I still couldn't make it happen. Um, and so my my habits, my money habits um, caught up to me and I realized, okay, something, there's nothing here. You know, my dad, I was like, save, 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 save. But, um, you know, I watched him growing up with his ledger book, he had, you know, spreadsheets back mm-hmm. then. <laughs> and I would look over his shoulder and all of those kinds of things. But I never was sat down and say, okay, do you know, this is your budget. You should save X amount, you know, every time you get paid, things like that. I didn't have those early um, financial literacy habits developed. And so um, I ended up being a late bloomer. Um, once I found you, <laughs> all of that changed. <laughs> yeah, so there's a very big difference between a budget and a plan, you know? And I think that a lot of times we go online and we research budgets and we download somebody's spreadsheet from online. And I'm not saying, I mean, power to all those people who like to do those type of websites, but a budget and a plan are two very different things. Mm-hmm. You know, a budget is really most of the time just telling you how much you have coming in and line iteming everything you have going out and that's it. But a plan actually has a destination to it. It has steps to get you to a particular destination. And the other thing is when you don't have a plan, you never know if you're winning. So you Mm -hmm. don't tend to stick to a plan. So you have to have good plans and good strategies. Um, It sounds like, you know, you tried a lot of times and you tried Mm -hmm. certain, you tried kind of the basics that most people try Mm -hmm. right Um, and so with that being said what was the most confusing part of finance before we started to work together um I think and it's our the irony of that question is um I was just sharing earlier about savings right like I knew I needed to save um and the notion of saving right is really simple it kind of when you think about it it sounds like all you do is just put your extra money in a savings account but I was sharing with a friend earlier that um having the goal like I never had a goal attached to any Mm -hmm. of my money um it was just the goal really was basic goals pay your bills pay them on time um and whatever's left is mine to do whatever it is that I wanted And that's what always used to get me caught up is that I didn't have any tangible or I should say a pathway to a goal bigger than just not having bad credit or not having 
collections, you know, on your your um, your credit account. I mean, your your credit report. So for me, the hardest thing was attaching, or I should say, knowing what to attach to my finances, so that I would stick to um, what whatever it is that I was, you know, moving forward towards it, whether it was savings or trying to save to buy something or save before vacation or what have you. Um, it was just always just this very basic vision of, of money, right? Like just you make money, you have to spend it to live. And then you're supposed to save because you're going to get old one day. (laughs) You need to take care of yourself or have money for emergencies. And, um, the kind of person that I am, I, if there's some wiggle room, I'm going to take it. And so because there was no direct destination or something else attached to it other than my future life, I sort of would live in the moment and um, I didn't have the discipline to say, you don't need that bag or you don't need those shoes or you don't need Chick-fil-A today. Um, You can cook at home, like those kinds of things. And so for me, most recently, um, you know, us having a conversation around this is how much you would need to save in order to do X, Y, and Z. I was saying earlier, it helped shape my ability to say, I don't need to spend this money because it's going to take away from this, this um, money goal. And so it allowed me to sort of um, dictate my decision versus before it's like, oh, I just need to save money. I'll save it. I'll move some money around next paycheck so I can save what I was supposed to save this paycheck and next paycheck. Mm-hmm. So what you're, I mean, what you're really talking about, and this is something that I get very narrowed down in with, with my clients. I mean, personal finance can be very complex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be overwhelming. But, you know, what I get very narrowed down in is what is the real, what is the goal? And the goal mm-hmm. cannot be some kind of arbitrary fluff goal, because if mm-hmm. it's a fluff goal, then you're not going to really be committed to it. It has to be a goal that actually changes your quality of life. And when you have a goal like that, the goal is so exciting that you're willing to go through whatever it is you have to go through, right, to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, all the crap I have to go through to get there is nothing in comparison to actually reaching this goal. Exactly. Right. And what, you, what you're doing is a temporary sa- sacrifice for a long-term change of your life forever. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's the part that people don't really wrap their heads around fully you know, when I spent three and a half years paying off that debt, that, mm-hmm. that was a temporary sacrifice that changed my financial landscape mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And once you do one financial goal like that, it's easy to pick up another one, you know, because mm-hmm. you hit it. And sometimes these things just seem when you're starting them, you're like, oh, this is just so grand and out of reach. <laughs> and you're like, well, what's the point? Um, but once you do it, then it's that then you're looking for the next one and the next one and the next one Mm -hmm. and all of these are temporary sacrifices that change your life forever right most people aren't willing to make the sacrifice they're not willing to make a year sacrifice or a Mm two-year sacrifice to change the next 10 20 30 50 years of their lives exactly and so with that being said what is the biggest money accomplishment that you've made you know, I would say the past year, so the past 
12 months or since we've been working with each other, it hasn't even been a year. Mm -hmm. So what's the biggest money accomplishment you would have? Um, I would have to say my relationship to money, I think is the biggest accomplishment um, because I would say if I had to frame it, it was toxic. You know, what I, um, the way in which I managed my money dictated my life. And I remember um, times where my account will be overdrafted and you're stressed about it because you're like, I still have another week <laughs> to like, I get paid. How am I going to survive, right? Or what am I going to do? By the grace of God, obviously I made it through, but that level of anxiety or stress is, um, you don't realize how much it plays into your everyday life and how you interact with the people that you live with. When you don't have any money, you're frustrated. You are everything irritates you because you're constantly thinking about um, how am I going to manage my life until I get paid again? And then you get paid again and you do the same thing. And so it's just this cyclical kind of situation where um, you're just always, you're happy you got paid because now you're not quote unquote struggling, but then you haven't changed your habit around what you do with your money. So in a week and a half, you're back in the same situation. Mm -hmm. And so um, from my change in, in uh, my relationship with money, um, I don't have to worry about, and I haven't for a while worried about, oh, oh my God, I'm so close to overdrafting or I have to borrow on credit. Cause let me tell you, I used to do that all the time with my gas working in Bethesda. I used to have to borrow money um against credit you know i i'm telling you i have it down to a science i knew in like three days <laughs> the money was going to come out i would get paid and it would my check would hit before the, the gas came out um and that's just too stressful i mean it taught me a lot but at the same time it's like if i don't have to continue to live like this then i don't want to and so um looking at money from a different perspective, but also, like you said, having a plan in place um, has allowed me to get paid. Like I always used to say, one of my aunts and a form and a, a coworker, they would always be like, we get paid this week. We get paid this Friday. And I used to say, oh my God, I would love to be able to say, do we get paid? Like I have to ask the question because that lets me know you have such a cushion in your bank account that you're not stressed out from one check to the next. And I would have to say, I mean, granted, my payday schedule is in my calendar, so I always get a notification. But now I'm at a position where, um, yes, I know when I get paid, obviously, but I don't have that, like, that cloud hanging over my head, like, okay, two more days for payday, three more days for payday. Um, and so being able to accomplish that let me know okay you've actually been able to change how you do money change the fact that you don't need everything you see even though you might want it um and and so I'm able to you know at points splurge a little bit more because I haven't over exhausted my income my my I would say my salary income mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so you're definitely in a place. It's a it's a turning point. You mm -hmm. you don't know how to describe these things yes. until you're in them, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you reach these turning points, the moments when you can say, "Wait, do we get paid this week or next week?" Because yes. it really doesn't matter at the end mm -hmm. of the day because I have enough money to take care of everything, you know. Exactly. And so you reach that turning point, and, and you also talked about the toxic relationship you have with money. And you really did change your relationship with money significantly on a lot of different fronts. Mm -hmm. um, but you've experienced what financial relief feels like. Right. And it's really hard to describe that to someone. It's hard to explain it to them. You mm -hmm. can kind of give them some context because you've now you've gone through it. So you have some words for it. Um, <laughs> but it's still hard to like right. say, explain it to someone else. They have to experience it for themselves. Mm -hmm. What you said at the end kind of brings us into the other part of the conversation. You said, well, I don't have to worry about the salary part of the mm -hmm. money coming in. So, you know, one of the things I do with clients is I look at the, the areas in my life that changed my life dramatically financially. Mm -hmm. And those are paying off a significant amount of debt, building a large cash reserve, and diversifying my income, having a, additional sources of income, right? So those are the three areas, and that's what I like to help people with. Now, granted, yes, I increased my credit score. In three years, I increased it by 200 points, and now 300 points. I'm in the mm -hmm. 800s, right? But that really didn't change my life. Like, mm -hmm. those other three did change my life. So... With that being said, a lot of the energy we spent with you mm -hmm. has been that diversifying your income. Right. Something wonderful happens when you diversify your income. And I'm going to let you talk about your experience, <laughs> but it really does change your relationship to your earned money that you get from the job. It changes your relationship to the, the nine to five work that you do. It gives you another level of freedom that you, it's hard to explain what that feels like too. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about that. You always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but let's talk about what it was like to delve into this entrepreneurial world because you've had other businesses and do it in a very different way where we're aligning it with your personal finances. So Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial background before you started working with me, and then we'll go from when you started working with me forward. Okay. Um, so I always, like I said, knew um, that I wanted to own my own. Um, it's not something that I, you know, was shown um, growing up um, in terms of like family members that own businesses. Um, and if they did, it wasn't like, it was before I was born. So, um, but I don't come from like an entrepreneurial background, which is something that I always felt like, um, this is what I wanted to do. A lot of it was born out of, um, wanting to be my own boss <laughs> and not, mm -hmm. you know, anyone telling me what to do. Um, and then as I got older and a little wiser, it was more from the, um, the perspective of, I knew how I wanted to, to live my life. And I wanted to live it without parameters. Um, and so, um, but also being able to do something that I loved and enjoyed and was able to impact my community w w in whatever that looked like, whatever 
um, area I decided to move forward in. Um, but a lot of my early entrepreneurial journeys were um, connected more to um, trying to create this extra income to give me the opportunity to leave whatever job I was in. Um, and it was very much self-facing, if that makes sense, um, because obviously residual income benefits me, right? Because it's, it's more money for myself. But um, it was always connected to, if I do this thing, I think I can make money quicker. And more money, the, the quicker I make the money, the faster I can get out of this job that I don't like. And I mean, when I say the job that I don't like, I'm referencing my very early 20s um, and, and that work that I used to do. And so um, I tried t-shirts. I had this great idea to sell t-shirts. Um, I followed it all the way through and um, had them printed up and everything like that. I filed the EIN. I mean, I went through the whole nine yards um, from the entrepreneurship, you know, I wrote the business plan, all of these tangible things that you think you have to do to start your business is what I did. And I lied to you not, almost a little over 10 years later, all of those t-shirts are still in my basement <laughs> and I don't know what to do with them because I have no desire to sell them. Um, but that particular instance taught me a lot about the entrepreneurship journey um, that one, it's not going to be easy. And two, um, I the one thing that I said that I was taught that probably was a negative was to have all of these things in place, you know, the website, the, the product, or the at the time I was looking at product-based businesses because I felt like if I could get the product in the hand of the consumer quicker, then I would be able to make said residual income quicker because it's a quicker turnover. At least that's what I thought. Um, I love doing hair. Um, so there was a point where I was thinking about going to cosmetology school. Um, and that's something that I've thought over and over, like over the last decade. So um, recent as last year. Um, and that was another thing in my head. It's like, okay, well, I love doing hair. I love cosmetology. I love all of that stuff. And so it made sense to try to pursue it because I will be able to make money doing something that I enjoyed and everything like that. But um, between work and things like that, I never really had the opportunity to go to school. Um, and of course there was an additional cost. Like I went, I researched all the schools in the DMV area. I went and did a, um, a walkthrough at a prominent um, uh, hair school in DC and none of it matched up and so I kind of tabled that and I just kind of did here here and there um but my mom you know one day was like Megan you use really expensive and quality hair products you need to start charging and so I did I started charging you know little a little bit of money um if nothing more than to make back what I spent on product but that was sort of short-lived. Um, I've done a couple of MLM situations where, you know, they feed, uh, feed you a bill of goods. It sounds great. Again, all of this was connected to getting money in my hands as fast as possible. And so, um, like I said, most recently around, I guess maybe June of last year, 
um, I decided to invest in myself with a portion of my stimulus and I found a hair school that was um, online and I paid my deposit. You know, I, I stuck it through um, and did great in that first section of going to cosmetology school. Um, and then, you know, when I started working with you, you said something that I think probably forever changed my vision of um, of business and my um, juxtaposition to trying to start a business, which was I was looking at doing all of these businesses or uh, pursuing various businesses from the debt goggle uh, perspective. And a lot of it had to do with you know, I had credit cards and things like that. And even though I was paying my bills and stuff on time, I just felt like the money wasn't, there was no dent. It was just like, I'm paying it. It's looking great on my credit because I don't have any missed payments, but I still have a ton of debt. And, and so from that perspective, once you said that, it really opened my eyes to the fact that I had, with the exception of, of um, the hair school, because like I said, that's one of my personal passions, but everything else I did from the perspective of hurrying up to try to get money so I could hurry up and pay um, pay down this debt and pay off this debt so that it would free up my salary money. And I felt like if my salary money was free, then I would be able to save more, right? And then just build my savings for this invisible savings goal, like no number, nothing, just... Mm -hmm a goal and um I and Kendall I don't think I've told you this <laughs> at the beginning of the year last year I should say um I had some intentional goals and prayers that I was like okay these are some things that I want to do and I've been look I have been wanting a mentor and specific in business and so when I never actually asked you about being my business coach but once we worked together after that first month, I was like, I really want to work with her from the business perspective. And when you at when you asked me about wanting to work, you know, further in, uh, to develop my business because you felt like I had some skills that I was leaving on the table, I was like, oh my gosh, it's actually happening. So <laughs> for it to get to this point, um, I mean, I'd have to say it's the answer prayer because I like intentionally wrote it out as clear as day. And so for me, um, you also sharing with me like in the very beginning of um, working towards building my business. And I think our first session, I was like, I have all these people and they want to tutor and blah, blah, blah. And you were like, well, you don't even have any clients yet. <laughs> and the other, that was a perspective shift for me because um, having a bachelor's degree in public relations, I unknowingly do a lot of things from public perception. How am I going to be perceived? How is my business going to be perceived? And that drove a lot of the, the, a lot of the decisions that I made around business. And I put a lot of my time and effort into areas that weren't that important. And so, um, you literally said, just do it and figure it out later. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a simple motto, but it helped me to be released of feeling like I need the business cards. I need the website. I need the professional email account. You know, all of these different things that, um, you know, business sort of feeds you. 
um, as well as, you know, now that we're in that social media age um, and everybody's selling <laughs> ebooks around how to build your business and things of that nature and all of these projections and, you know, it's a lot to take in. And so if you're at the very beginning of a business or you've tried and, and let's say your other businesses weren't successful, it's a bit overwhelming because you feel like, well, I don't have any of this stuff together. How am I going to be successful? And literally just creating a flyer that I actually had created in the summertime before we worked together about, uh, about tutoring. Um, I posted it and then, and the clients just trickled in. And from there, um, a Facebook group was created from um, uh, a high school. My high school created a Facebook group and I just dropped my flyer in the group and kind of blew up from there and I've gotten you know word of mouth referrals as well um but the the advice of just doing it um like Nike just do it has really changed my landscape in um, my business as well as me even assisting my mom in starting something that she wanted to do and just doing it and then all the other stuff will fall into place and it kind of sounds like oxymoronic when it comes to business because if you go on the SBA website it tells you your business plan and all these different things and you really don't you don't need all of those things and I'm you know a living witness to that Mm -hmm. you just said a whole lot of things (laughs) well first of all I did not know that you never told me that you were that was one of your ask in the beginning of 2020 that you were putting it out into the universe, you know, that you wanted someone to help you with your business or a business mentor. So I had no idea. <laughs> um, but one of the things you talked about is starting all of these businesses and these businesses were were supposed to be the answer to like your mm-hmm. money issues. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is when you build a business and that business is the answer to your money issues, you put a lot of pressure on the business and the business right. has to perform in a way that doesn't allow you to build a business you truly love because mm-hmm. there's so much pressure that all you're trying to do is grab dollars. Exactly. And it becomes confusing to the consumer too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, Kendall's just a catch-all. She'll do any old thing. Right. It doesn't allow you to refine this business and really show up for the customer in the way that you would like to show up, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but that's one reason why I don't like working with people on businesses if they're not my personal finance clients, because I kind of need to know what's going on behind the curtains. To right. Know why, what's the motivation here, right, you know, right. for you to be that way? Um, another thing is you talked about all the tangible things, you know, they, if you listen to a lot of gurus online, it is all about these tangible things about marketing plans and blah, 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 blah. And I was there with my business. And one of the reasons why I related to you is because I had several businesses too, you know, mm-hmm. and I had several businesses until I sat down and i figured out my money and once I figured out my money I had direction and so my business flourished because of that but it's really easy Mm -hmm. to listen to a lot of gurus online and think Mm -hmm. that's what you need to do and in fact you know for small businesses you don't need to have all those things and exactly one of the things that happens is that you're grabbing for like I would say grabbing for growth so fast Mm -hmm. that you just are a mess and you don't get anywhere. So it wasn't until I simplified the approach that I started to get a bunch of clients 
And the same thing with you, right? Like you mm -hmm. really, you listened to what I said and you simplified your approach. And it's hard, like you said, you went to school for PR mm -hmm. and it's hard to like change your mind about those things. But, you know, it doesn't mean that your business won't benefit from PR, but it maybe it doesn't benefit in the beginning. Like you can completely replace your income without incorporating any of those tangible things that they're, you know, always promoting online mm -hmm. or in school mm -hmm. and things like that. So, you know, one of the things I would like for you to tell everyone is what you were able to accomplish before having your website, before mm -hmm. having business cards and things like that. <laughs> and, you know, these are things to me, when I figured it out for myself, were pretty surprising because I wasted hours and hours and thousands of dollars in the beginning of my business following those tangible things that you need to have for your business. And it wasn't until I stopped doing all of that that my business grew and replaced my income. So go ahead. Um, I would say I feel like I am now recognized as, um, like you say all the time, education expert. Um, and so from that, like just the other day, I had um, a former classmate from high school message me and say, hey, can you send me your information? I have somebody who's in need of tutoring. And although I haven't heard from the person yet, it's the fact that someone who is not in my close circle recognizes, one, that I'm a business owner, and two, that I'm an expert in what I do, um, and is willing to share my information with somebody that I have no clue who it is and the fact that I could have a client come from just that word of mouth referral um, has changed my viewpoint of um, my success and I think I attached my um, success prior to now to how much money I made um, or how much money I could make versus um, the stability of the business and the recognition of the business and my work in my business. And so from that, um, one of the things is that I'm aware that even if I don't repost <laughs> my flyer, that my business literally is just going to fall in, well, I should say the business or business in, itself, in and of itself is going to fall in my lap because other people outside of the people that I'm, I would say, connected to my close friends, my family, know Megan has education business. And one of the things that she does is tutoring. And if I ever hear that someone is in need of tutoring, the fact that I may be the first thought on someone's mind to share my business, to me, um, blows all the tangible out the water because that means that it'll my business and my name attached to my business is going to continue to be shared um and so I think that when I think about public relations actually in this moment that's kind of what the goal is um in PR is for you to be somewhat at the forefront of someone's mind when they hear or think about X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever that is. Right now, of course, for me, it's um, education, it's tutoring, it's I don't know what to do with my child, my child is failing or my niece or whoever. And it's like, oh, I know somebody. And 
you know, that the connection is made. And so um, that for me, sustainability, I think has probably been my buzzword for this whole COVID year. <laughs> and um, I've always been, of course, concerned, like, how am I going to sustain um, the business? Especially like, for example, for right now, we're going, we're in the last quarter of the school year and summer's coming. And the first thought is, no one's probably going to want their kids to be tutored in the summertime. But the reality of it is, yes, they are. <laughs> and um, the fact that I know that I will be, um, like I said, at the forefront of someone's mind um, lets me know that my business is sustainable. Like I don't have to really do anything to make my business more sustainable because I'm already recognized as an expert in the business that I have. Right. And one of the things that when I do work with people who want a business, I do look for that. I'm like, what do you already know about already? Mm -hmm. Because if someone, first, if you know about it already, you've had to dive enough into it that you love mm -hmm. it enough because there's going to be points, like in the beginning of the business, it's a little hard. It's like you're trying to get this momentum up and you're trying to get it going. But you need to get through the hard points. And that's why you have to love it. You have to love the topic. Learning business is already hard enough. So right. you don't really want to learn the topic that your business is based exactly. on, right? Um, but also it allows you to be seen as that expert because most likely you are. And a lot of us are experts at things and we have no idea mm -hmm. that we're expert in those things. So one of the things I want to do for people is kind of do like a recap of your business success and how mm -hmm. that business success has um, impacted your personal finances. So for everyone out there, when Megan came to me, she had so many businesses. Um, it was like, okay, we have, to, we have to not do all of this. We had the hair business, the t-shirt business. We had all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. We figured out what she was an expert in. And what she was an expert was in ch education, childhood education. And she has a degree in this. And so it's, we needed to play on that. And it's something that made her happy. So we built the business around that. As a result, she has a tutoring business. And this tutoring business has grown so much that now she has other tutors working for her. Okay, so just so that you can <laughs> understand the scalability of this business, it's not just her by herself working with students. She has other people working for her. And last I checked with her, the business was on track to support her, pay all her bills and support her very, very soon. So as of right now, how much of the business income can pay your bills and living expenses? What percentage would you say? Um, I would say probably a little over 50%. Mm -hmm. um, and like just this month, um, you know, looking at you know, my income coming in, my, I should say my residual income coming in from my business, um, you know, I'm able to like save a good chunk of it. Um, and the reason why most is connected to, like you said, the personal finance and thinking about how many, you know, how much money do I need in terms of my own personal expenses outside of your traditional bills. And I'm like, I really don't need like all of this to just be sitting in my account for me to blow. I can put a good portion of it in my savings and, um, you know, 
do what I need to do with my, you know, with what I have left for my spending, um, you know, each week. So um, the business itself was able to create space in my salary income to um, basically save <laughs> the, you know, what the, what was left over from paying all my bills and things like that. And so um, that's where that, the notion of when do I get paid comes in. Mm -hmm. um, and that in and of itself is a goal. I would say another big goal um, in terms of like my accomplishments and my personal goals is the fact that, um, you know, Kendall, when you shared about remove your spending money from your salary and have it come out of your, resid your residual income from your business, it naturally pushes you to um, to work. I shouldn't say work harder, but be diligent in the work that you do with your business because you're, you've kind of taken away that cushion um, or, yeah, that cushion, if you will, from, well, I know if I don't make this much in my business, I still have this extra over here that I can go get gas or go out to eat or whatever the case may be. When you place that extra money somewhere else, it forces you to continue to to not basically be lazy and stagnant in your um in your business. Right. So as we're wrapping up towards the end here, I wanted to kind of say we talked about it before, you know, a temporary sacrifice for a change that can impact the rest of your life. And a lot of times going into business for yourself is, can be very scary. And it's partly because of the way that we are educated around it. It's almost like you're taking this big leap and you don't know where you're going to end up and you just got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I chose to believe that it didn't need to be that way, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're making that temporary sacrifice because right. you still have your salary job and you have this business and you're learning the scale of the scale model for your particular business mm -hmm. in order for it to replace your income. And so this has all been in less than a year that you've been mm -hmm. able to do this. And probably before this year is up, you're going to be able to replace all of the, the bills and the spending and everything with your business, which is really going to free you to do whatever you want to do next, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to stay in your career, you can stay in your career. If you want to shift careers, you can shift careers, or mm -hmm. you could just do your business. And so the last thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is, what is one thing you would leave with the listeners about changes when it comes to money? Um, the biggest thing I would say is there's a level of reflection that um, has to occur in order for you to change your relationship with money. Um, I've been on sort of this reflective kick just in all areas of my personal professional life. And um, in order, you know, to, in order for you to make the change, you have to be able to say, hold yourself accountable. And I think for me, I never, um, before working with Kendall, like I always knew there was a problem um, and I always knew there, like I had, my parents are from both extremes. Like my dad is a very diligent saver and my mom is very, she's very giving. So anybody that needs anything, she, she's giving it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I could, I would sometimes be in one direction and sometimes be in the other and being able to take a moment to reflect and say, okay, 
this actually doesn't work in either direction um because like you said there's no plan or anything like that but it took me to to have reflective moments even throughout like us working together in the very beginning and even in the beginning of me building my business um you know just sort of reconnecting with like the why of why am I doing this like I'm making an investment in myself you know from the personal coaching finance and the business coaching and um you know the biggest thing is to stay connected to that um and to me for me I should say I stay connected to that through reflection it's like you're about to be 33 or at the time I should say in my early earlier 30s um you can either continue in this direction and then you'll be 40 and you'll be really pissed that you haven't done what you needed to do to change your relationship with money. Um, you know, but it's not anybody else's job to hold me accountable, right? Even working with you, Kendall, I know that you hold me accountable from my, from the coaching standpoint, of course, but it's still, it's not your job to fully hold me accountable because technically it's my money and even with our plan it's up to me to do with it what I want and I can either continue to move forward and create that pathway to financial freedom or I can continue to do the same thing but in order to stay the course um in the direction of financial freedom you have to reflect um and sometimes you're working on you know you're running on autopilot but even with that, like always, to me, I always take a moment to kind of reflect back so that I don't get um, lost in the journey to financial freedom. Very good advice and a great way to end the podcast today. You know, it, you really do have to conquer the emotional relationship you have with money. You have to be hyper aware, hyper vigilant about the goal. And so keeping that why very close to you and letting that why be deeply ingrained and emotionally, um, emotionally drenched actually is going to be what helps you to stay on track. So thank you so much, Megan. I appreciate it. <laughs> and if anybody wants to know more about personal finance coaching or being a, a me as a personal finance strategist, you can go to jonescoachinggroup.com. And if you have any questions, you can send it to Kendall at jonescoachinggroup.com. Bye.